Good morning, Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and welcome to another episode of our Faith Lab. Uh, Faith Lab is where we gather to have honest and authentic conversations about theology and relationship and life and scripture. Um, this morning, I'm joined with a couple of our other staff members, and we're going to talk about our scripture for this Sunday. Um, this week, we're looking, um, we're continuing with our we're following Jesus, and we're continuing working through the Gospel of Mark. And this week, we find ourselves in Mark chapter eight, and we find ourselves at like a really important turning point in Christ's ministry and some really important conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. So I'm going to invite Lisa to read our text for us this morning so we can dive a little bit deeper. Great. Thanks, Margot. Um, I'm going to be reading again Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Jesus said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. This is Lori. Uh, thank you for reading, Lisa. This is um, a really important moment, as Margot said, on, on Jesus's uh, road towards the cross and resurrection. And I think that it's important for us to just set the tone in the context so that uh, we can unpack some of this. The last part of the reading can be a little confusing and, uh, and, and I'd like for us just to focus on a couple of the themes this morning uh, so that we can get to the heart of the matter per se. Uh, think for one minute or just imagine uh, that these disciples who've been trying to make sense of who Jesus is as they've been traveling with him, have not been able to understand 
the purpose of, of what Jesus does and, and how Jesus does it. And now they've come to this moment in this particular place, um, Caesar of Philippi. And it's important for us to understand that this is the capital of Philip's um, tetrarchy. So Philip has put the center of his power in this one city. It used to be the temple of Augustus uh, that was built by Herod the Great. It used to be a sanctuary of a Greek god, the god of fear named Pan, as in panic. Uh, and so they are standing on, on the ridge of this, this place that represents everything about domination and power. And they can look back on that city and Jesus is saying, we're gonna look ahead towards Jerusalem. And that's the place where they finally understand a little bit about Jesus's authority and power. Okay, so this is Lisa. Um, so Lori, yes, they're standing there at this pinnacle moment in this important place and yet I don't know that they really did fully understand the power right they mentioned oh you're Elijah you're you know uh you're one of these these greats we've seen and yet Peter out of the group is the one who does recognize and and says oh you you are the messiah we I, I know who you are yeah. um that's great, Lisa. Yeah. I think, and that that piece there where he says, you are the Messiah is so crucial to this text. Because when we look at the gospel of Mark, we don't see that word <laughs> thrown out a whole lot. We see it at the very beginning of the gospel briefly. And then we hear all the stuff about Jesus's life. And then Peter's saying, no, I've, I've seen you do these things. I've been following you. I love you. You are the Messiah. Like this, this moment where Peter claims this and uses this word, I think is, it's really fascinating. Like it's really important. Like it, it clicked for him and a lot's at stake. And so Jesus responds sternly. It says, Shh, don't tell anyone, Peter. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's something that's really interesting here. This is Lisa again, and Margot, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I think um, there's, there's so much going on in this text, but I think one of my favorite pieces is uh, the fact that Peter then rebukes Jesus, right? Like, you know, he recognizes he's the Messiah, this great person of power, but yet he's going to argue with him. And, you know, Jesus rebukes him back, and, and we can talk more about that, but um, I just can't help but think, you know, don't we all still argue with Jesus, right? I mean, I, I know what Jesus has to say, but I still try to argue with him as well, um, and yet when Jesus rebukes him back, you know, it's, you know, I think we, we talked about this, those of you reading in the Debert text, if you're reading along with any of that, I love, we all talked about that we love this line that Debert says, no longer will the disciples stand beside Jesus in his ministry, they become his ministry, right? Jesus is now working on disciples and this notion of discipleship. 
Yeah, it's this deep emotional moment. I mean, Peter thinks it's like, you're the Messiah. You're going to bring peace and renewal and newness. What are you talking about? You have to die. Why do we got to bring death into it? Like it's, it's such a human response. Why, why do we got to talk about death? I don't want to bring death into this. That's too heavy. That's too much. There's another way. And, and Jesus is like, no, there's not another way. This is Nancy, you know, <clears throat> listening to you guys, I'm mindful that Peter was definitely a favorite of mine for these very reasons, because he is so human. He has gotten to the place where he loves the Lord and he doesn't want him to leave. I also think that the part where he, you know, orders them not to tell about him is confusing to us and to our folks that would be reading this because we all want to tell about Jesus on this side of uh, Easter. But the reality is that Jesus, just like our text last week, is still thinking big picture. He knows what's coming. He knows the pieces he has to go through before he gets to the cross. And um, sometimes when we're going through these stories, uh, as we lead up to uh, Holy Week, some of the parts uh, are confusing to us because we forget the big picture. And then to discipleship, um, I mean, I totally get Peter, like what Margot just said, emotionally reacting to, no way are you going to suffer? No way are you going to do this? And how Jesus, again, thinking of the big picture, has to say, no, get behind me, Satan, because you don't know what I'm getting ready to go through. I have a friend who's, a, this is Lori, I have a friend who's a doctor um, who spent a lot of time in hospitals and has said that there comes a point um, with every patient who's dying where a family member, they don't necessarily know who, a family member will turn and be angry at the physician who is delivering the news of their loved one's death. And that anger comes from a deep place of love and the fear of letting go. And so while Peter recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, which should trigger in us, um, you know, an acknowledgement of Jesus's, the, what they were waiting for. I mean, they were waiting, first century Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Um, so power and authority on one hand, and then this deep grief and love and this refusal to accept that the way to God's uh, kingdom um, and reign is going to be through suffering and death. Uh, Margot, I, I think you're the one that said that the weight of death is, is so heavy and no one accepts that weight easily. And I'll say one more thing. We're in a season of death. <laughs> We've been in a season of death. And so during Lent right now, um, wherever you're listening, you know, you, you can probably uh, list off a few ways that you've experienced dying uh, in, in the last year, or maybe you're struggling in a particular way with a relationship or something in your vocation or parenting or taking care of your parents. Um, or you've lost someone and we haven't been able to face death in the ways that we normally would like in community um, because of the pandemic. And so this part of this text is especially poignant to me right now in this season um, in our history. 
This is Lisa and Lori, I, you're so right in all of that because yes, we are, we are in a season of dealing with a lot of physical death um, more than usual. Um, but, you know, the grief of, of death of other things is, is heavy and prevalent as well, right? I mean, the death of our normal routines, the death of our uh, ability to worship together, the, you know, the, the grief that comes with all the loss of relationships or a job you loved or, you know, seasons of life. And, um, you know, oftentimes it's in that grief and fretfulness that, that maybe we do argue with Jesus the most, right? Um, I, I, when we're on a precipice of a change in our situation or in our life. And, you know, um, and as I think about it, I'm like, well, I don't experience Jesus rebuking me back, right? When I'm trying to argue with Jesus about, you know, my don't take my loved one, don't take my job, don't, you know, I'm mad about all this, Jesus. Um, it's interesting we read that he rebukes Peter because yet what, what I seem to experience on this other side of Jerusalem in the Easter story is grace and love. You know, Jesus does still say, Lisa, this is not all about you. This is a bigger picture, right? You got to deny yourself a little bit, right? They feel what you feel. I got you. I love you. You know, I'm bringing you all my comfort and peace, but I, I still need you to, to get on board with me, right? I, I, it's not, I don't feel rebuked by Christ um, in our grief. I feel comforted and loved despite my anger and frustration. Yeah, I think as we turn towards Sunday, the, the things that I'll be thinking about or the questions maybe we should be asking are around, around what that looks like for each of us and, and maybe what that looks like for us as, as a community. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't escape me that so many people feel extremely isolated right now, you know? And so if you're asking questions in reference to this text about your life, um, they might be, you know, what are you, what are you turning towards and what do you need to let go of? Um, what, what wish dream or what, um, what temptation of power or money or, you know, what thing that you've made about you do you need to let go of in order that you might to uh, turn towards the, the place where Jesus is calling you. And if that requires picking up a cross, then who's going to help you carry that? You know, Peter, um, Peter was made aware of what, of who Jesus was, but, you know, as Jesus walked to the cross, he had, uh, he had some help uh, carrying that cross. He, he didn't carry it alone. I wonder if we should pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we have to be together each week to study and listen to your word and to be with our folks. We just know that we have folks that are dealing with sadness and isolation like we've been talking about. We just ask that you hold us close this Lenten season that we would have time to examine our lives and know that you are here with us. We do know 
that you will suffer and die and be raised. And we are going to live through that um, and that sadness again. But we just ask that you hold us close, this piece of the world, Lord. Keep us healthy and safe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We can't wait to see you on Sunday. We'll go live at 1020. See you on Sunday. Have a good one.